Welcome to the Coffee with Kathy podcast. Take a moment to subscribe and like us on Facebook if you haven't already. You can also check out all of our books, merch, and future podcasts at coffeewithkathy.com. Now grab yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to be encouraged. Here's your host, Pastor Kathy Heitschu. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, we're turning to the book of Genesis. Say amen. The book of Genesis, slap your neighbor, tell them, get your Bible, amen. I like when y'all talk like me, amen. Now, I'm going to skip through a lot in the book of Genesis, so you didn't have to just go with me, amen. You're going to have to read as fast as I read. I'll have to slow it down for some of you, but just know, just have your Bible open to Genesis 37. How about that? And then when we get through... You, you have no clue where I am. <laughs> I'm skipping all around. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flock. Verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. It is biblical to love a child more than the other one. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, say amen. Just kidding. More than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. And, of course, his favorite wife, which was Rachel. So, so one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph. Anybody know what it was? I love y'all. Oh, welcome all my friends online. Forgot to welcome y'all. Welcome all my peeps. I'm glad you're here. My coffee with Kathy peeps and all my friends and family. My biggest fans, to all two of you. That's right, a coat of many colors, a beautiful robe, verse 4. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. You're going to have to go and read all of this yourself later this week, but we're just going with it to get to the good point. Verse 12, soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Sheshem. Tell your neighbor, that's Sheshem. Anybody, y'all ever been there? Okay. 13, when they had gone some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Wasn't that good? Joseph, I love Joseph. You're going to love Joseph, too, by the end of tonight. Verse 14, so Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Sheshem. Verse 18, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. There's 11 of these older brothers. Come on. There's a one at home, Benjamin, or maybe he ain't born yet, but, but don't worry about that. But 11 of your brothers want to kill you. Number 19, here comes, number 19, verse 19, here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these pits. Look at your neighbor, tell him, get out of that pit. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben, that's the oldest brother, heard of the scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Somebody thank God for the oldest child. Amen? (laughs) Let's not kill him. I knew you'd like that. Let's not kill him and throw him. uh, Let's kill him and throw him into the Okay, wait, wait. Yes. uh, And throw him into one of the pits. We'll tell our father a wild animal has eaten him, and we'll see what becomes of him. So Reuben heard about it, and he said, let's don't kill him. 
Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him in this empty pit here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to go rescue Joseph, just like every good older sibling would do. Amen? And return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off his beautiful robe he was wearing. They grabbed him and threw him into a pit. Tell your neighbor, get out of that pit. Just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels coming in the distance toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. This is my kind of siblings right here. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to one of the Ishmaelites. And his brothers all agreed. Verse 28. So when the Ishmaelites came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the pit and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. Can I tell you that's $200? As of 2020, that's 200 bucks. Come on. I don't even know what that is. About about 11 of them, but okay. And the traders took him to Egypt. Sometime later, the older brother, Reuben, returned to get him out of the pit and discovered he was missing. He tore his clothes in grief. He went and told his brothers, the boy is gone. What are we going to do? Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in the blood. They sent the robe to the father with its blood on it. And the father said, and said, look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? You notice they didn't say our brother. See, sin will always choose words that help uh, protect your conscience. Sin will always choose words that help you feel disconnected to the sin. Like, look, isn't this the robe of your son? Amen? Verse 33, their father recognized it, and you know the story. Immediately he said, it's my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap, and he mourned deeply for his son a long time. Meanwhile, the traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, who was an officer of Pharaoh. Potiphar was captain of Pharaoh's palace guard. Move over to chapter 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. Can we just take a praise break on that right there? The Lord was with Joseph. Now, he's been thrown in a pit, stripped of his nice robe his daddy made him. And now he's been sold to some, pe to some travelers, some traders. So he's been taken hostage. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything. Tell your neighbor everything. Tell your neighbor on the other side everything. He succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. Y'all, he ain't even trying to act a fool. He ain't even trying to, um, to throw himself a pity party. He's not trying to seek revenge. He's not screaming, carrying on, wanting to cut himself in jail. Right? He's not acting all revengeful. Oh, I'll show them. Huh. Just wait till I tell my daddy. Verse 4, this pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything, say everything, he owned. 
Verse 5, from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household. Ooh, you see where we're going to go with this tonight, amen? Could you imagine getting to a place where God is so pleased with you, he starts blessing other people, your household and other people's household too, amen? For Joseph's sake, all his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing. Joseph was very handsome and well-built young man. All the men said amen. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in this household. No one has more authority than I do. He hasn't held anything back from me except for you. How could I do such a wicked thing? For your information, it is a very wicked thing to try to sleep with somebody else's spouse. Can I hear an amen? And if it happens to be my spouse, it's extra wicked, and I'm going to go Alabama on you. But that's just me. I don't know how all of y'all handle it, but that's just me. Verse 9, it would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. Cure for adultery 101, and this is not my message. Stay away from them as much as possible. Verse 11, one day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. Uh -huh. Everybody's at the water cooler. Nobody's around. She came and grabbed him by his clothes, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away. Cure number two, 102, adultery 102. Tear yourself away. Amen? Number one, stay out of their way as much as possible. Number two, tear yourself away. Okay? Joseph tore himself away, but he left his clothes in her hand. Y'all, he done ran out naked. Amen. And he ran from the house. Cure number three, adultery 103, run for your life. Amen. That's good. One day, however, no one else. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Verse 13, when she saw that she was holding his clothes and he had fled, she called out to the servants. And, of course, all the men came running. And she says, look. My husband's brought this Hebrew slave to make fools of us. He came in my room and tried to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran out, and I've got his clothes right here. So she kept the clothes. When her husband came home, say, uh-oh. She told him the story. Same thing, that Hebrew slave you brought in our house tried to fool around with me, but I screamed, and he ran out, and he left his clothes with me. And Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph, and guess what? Threw him in prison. Now he's done been in a pit. He's done been abandoned. Now he finds himself in prison. He was in prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Somebody say amen. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. 
Isn't he so good? And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, guess what? The warden put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. He put him in charge of everything that happened in the prison. Come on, spirit of Joseph. Come on me. Amen. Verse 23, the warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Chapter 41, two full years later. Somebody said that's a long time. A lot has happened in here, just so you know. But Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. And the next morning, he was super disturbed by his dream. So he called all of his magicians. He called all the wise men from Egypt. And he told them the dream. But guess what? Nobody could tell him what the dream meant. Verse 9, finally, a king's chief cupbearer spoke up. He said, oh, yeah, today I've been reminded. You know, a couple years ago, there was this guy in the prison, and I told him I was going to put in a good word for him, but hmm, it slipped my mind. Yeah, right, okay. Today I have been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago you were angry with me and the chief baker, and you put us in prison and the baker and I both had a dream. And this dude, Joseph, he interpreted our dream. Um, we told him of our dream, and he told us what each of them meant. And everything happened just like he said it was going to happen. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. Of course he did. And he was quickly brought from the prison. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and nobody can tell me what it means. And here's Joseph. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God, tell somebody, but God, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dreams. Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams meant the same thing. You can go and read all about them because I'm skipping down, but go read about the dreams. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. Therefore, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked, can we find anyone like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh said, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will oversee my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I will have a rank higher than yours. Verse 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his ring from his hand, put it on Joseph's finger, dressed him in the finest linen clothes, hung a gold chain around his neck. Somebody say, woo-woo. Then he had Joseph ride in the chariot, reserved for second in command. And get this, wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. Just a prisoner, y'all. I don't know if y'all ever been in jail or anything, but, I mean, some of you have, but I know, I know, I know, I know. Hands all over the place. <laughs> Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. Somebody say, won't he do it? And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh, 
but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Y'all, Joseph is betrayed. He is sold. He's put in prison, thrown in a pit, wrongfully accused, lied on. Anybody ever lied on you? Really, has anybody, just say 2020, 2021 season, has anybody ever lied on you? He's been attacked. He's been forgotten about in prison. Oh, yeah, I meant to put that good word in for you. Sorry about that. From the pit to the palace, baby. That's what I'm calling it. Amen. From the pit to the palace. Hang on, y'all. Joseph's life goes way beyond what any of us, what any average Christian will ever go through but God. Amen. Why don't you just say, but God? Because if God can deliver Joseph and turn his mess into a blessing and turn his misery into a blessing and turn all of his troubles and drama into a blessing, he can deliver you. He can deliver you. He'll deliver you from your financial failures, from your relationship problems, from a terminal sickness or illness or disease. He can deliver you from your baby daddy drama or baby mama drama. From all them crazy friends going wild on you, it can all be turned around by the God of Joseph. Amen. When we're confronted with difficulties in life, I get it. It's tempting to question God. We have trouble on our job and we think, Lord, I prayed about this job. I know this job was you. I know you told me to take this job and now I got all, this pro all these problems. Right? Why? I'm in school, I'm in college, I'm taking these classes, everything was great, and all of a sudden everything is miserable. My home life is miserable. It was good. We, you restored that relationship, Father, but now everything is just miserable because Satan does not want you to fulfill the will of God on your life. Amen? It has nothing to do with that nasty co-worker that don't like working with you. It has nothing to do with, with that person in your home that's miserable, making you miserable, and is miserable themselves. He will fight to get you out of the will of God. He will try everything after thing after thing to try to get you out of the will of God. He wants to kill you and your dreams, Joseph. He wants to kill you and your dreams and your visions and all the things God said to you. And he'll use discouragement and he'll use distractions and he'll use envy and hate and bitterness to accomplish it. Because you know what? He'll do all that we allow him to do. Anything to keep us from fulfilling the will of God on our life. We have to start recognizing his tricks and his attacks. I have to know what buttons he's trying to push of mine. My buttons ain't your buttons. Right? He knows my buttons real well. I'm going to flip it on him. Get new buttons. Right? And the Bible is full of stories of people who experience intense opposition, way more challenging than we will ever experience. I mean, anybody in here ever been swallowed by a whale? And live to tell about it? Anybody ever been standing at the Red Sea with an entire army coming behind you to overtake you, kill you? Anybody been chased by an army? Exactly. But each of these stories reveal God's faithfulness. Amen. God's faithfulness to those who trust him. Do you trust him tonight? Can you say, I trust him? I trust him. I mean, that'll shout right there. Woo. 
Romans 8, 28. And we know, say, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. See those three words, and we know, and we know. The, the Bible promises all things work together for our good, but it's dependent on what we know. You need to know it. You need to know all things work together for your good. Everything hinges, hinges on knowledge. Amen. It's wrapped up in knowledge, and we have to know all things do not work together for good for everybody. It's only for those who love God, that's what the Word says, and who are called, who are obedient according to His purpose. Because when we're following after Him, guess what? All things work for my good. When I love Him, when I'm obedient, all things work together for my good. But if I allow hatred and, and disgrace and rebellion and frustration into my life, then God doesn't work all things out for my good. It's true. When Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, he had to have thought, can this get any worse? I mean, can you imagine you're down in this pit and you're thinking, this is it. This is the end of me. Can it get any worse? Why, yes, actually it can. <laughs> Just hang on, Joseph. It actually can get really worse. <laughs> uh, you, ever, you ever said or thought that in the last year? Has anybody ever thought, can this get any worse? <laughs> How about this week? Can this get any worse? You know, he's been free his whole life, y'all. He's been pampered at home. He's been taken care of by his daddy. He's the favorite. I don't know about you, but the favorite get treated a little different. It's better. I mean, I don't, I don't do my kids that way, so I don't know, you know, about any of that. And all my children said amen. But you see, in the end, how it got a lot worse for him? It sure did. He's thrown into prison because of a lie against him. It wasn't even anything he did. I can understand if you'd done it like you'd done the crime, you'd do the time. But if somebody lied on him, and even in prison, say even then, he rose to the top. He became the master over every prisoner. Even in all of this, you heard me say, the Lord was with him. Even at rock bottom, he was still praising the Lord. He's interpreting dreams. He's listening for the Father's voice. He's ministering to people. I mean, what's, what's the, what did you do the last time you hit rock bottom? Think about, what's the la what, well, last time you hit rock bottom, what, what did you do? Right? Now, I ain't been in y'all's house or anything, but some of y'all ate that whole tub of ice cream. Some of y'all threw the biggest pity party. Some of y'all stayed in bed and didn't come out for a long time. Some of you just complained on social media the last time you hit rock bottom. And even though the natural circumstances look bad, God was still with him, and every single thing he did, God blessed. Hey! Can I tell you, your circumstances don't dictate who you are. My circumstances don't dictate my relationship with God. It's true. You can't allow your circumstances to affect you. Instead, you need to affect your circumstances. Amen? You need to start affecting your circumstances. God is always faithful. Even when we're not, He's always faithful. He loved you even when you didn't love Him. 
When you, before you knew him and loved him and didn't love him, he still loved you. He was still faithful. He was still there for you. That's truth. Thank God his faithfulness is not dependent on me being faithful to him. Right? God's faithful when we're well, and he's faithful when we're being attacked. He's faithful when we're prosperous. He's faithful when we're in lack. It's not based on what I'm going through, whether he's going to be faithful to me. He's faithful to his word and his character. This is why we need to know his word. I need to know my daddy's character. Right? I need, I need to say, you know, would my father do this? Would my father act like this? Would my father talk like this? I mean, there's something in my uh, future. I need to say, does this look like God? Is this something he would say? Is this thing that's happening in my circumstance right now, is this God? Is it his character? Right? That's good. God can turn every bit of your mess into a blessing. I'm telling you. For the believer who understands and knows how to apply the word of God, he can turn it into a blessing when you're faithful and obedient. How many of you say, that's me? And not only are you blessed, but the blessing extends to everybody around you. It's true. It extends to your work, your company. Your family will be blessed just because you're there. I applied for a job one time. I'm not even kidding. I ended up making like 70-some dollars an hour, but I applied for this amazing job, and I told them in the interview, no word of a lie, your company will be blessed if you hire me. I mean blessed financially, blessed spiritually, blessed coming in and blessed going out. If I'm an employee of yours, this company will be amazing. Because I know God's going to bless me, therefore everything around me is going to get blessed as well. Try that on your next um, interview. I'll write it all down for you so you'll be sure to get the job. But we can actually learn to be content like Joseph. Philippians 4.11 says, not that I was ever in need, but I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I've learned how to be content. I've learned how to be satisfied. I've learned how to be happy. I've learned how to be peaceful with whatever I have. Whatever situation I find myself in. Can I tell you, contentment is not a feeling. Contentment is learned. Satisfied is learned. Happiness is learned. Having per, uh, a serenity and peace and calm in your life is learned. And Joseph learned to be content regardless of his circumstances, regardless if he was in the pit or he was on his way to the palace. He remained the same. This is what I love about Joseph. Because if we go around living according to our circumstances, you're going to be a very unstable person. It's true. If you live according to what is going on in your situation, what is going on in your life, what is going on in your home, you're going to be a very unstable person. We'll always be changing according to what's going on around us. But Joseph was not affected by his surroundings. Amen. Don't you love him? God can turn things around for us if we just pay attention to his word. Just pay attention to what he tells us to do. Leave the negative circumstances in his hand. I preached about it the other day. Go watch the video. Cast your care on him. Amen. He cares for you. God will turn it for your good. And even when the devil screams, the word isn't true, Joseph. You trusted God and you got sold into slavery, Joseph. You trusted God and you got thrown into prison, Joseph. 
You thought it couldn't get any worse, but it sure did. And there's nowhere to go from here but death, Joseph. May as well just lay down and die. Now what's going to become of your dream? I mean, could you imagine the devil in your ear like that nonstop? Could you imagine, Joseph? Like it's one thing after another. This is why the Bible says we take every thought captive. We take every thought captive. Because the enemy is just feeding you thoughts. What about your dream? Well, what about it? What about that word from the Lord you got on night three? Well, what about it? Take every thought captive. And this is what Joseph did, and God blessed him. Amen. Has God ever spoken a word to your heart? Right? Has God ever given you a dream or a vision? And maybe the circumstances you're in right now contradict that word, uh, that dream, or that vision. It might seem like it's far away from being manifested, okay? And you might be wondering, how is God ever going to have this come to pass? But it's not up to you to figure it out, right? It's not up to us to try to figure it out. You just let God perform it. Actually, just let God be God. Your part is to lean on him, yes. Your part is to trust him. Trust in his word that it's going to come to pass. Say, trust him. I mean, if you think about it, how many times have you delayed the word from God? Right? How many times have you tried to keep um, help God bring it to pass? Well, I'm going to help him. I'm a very good helper. I have administrative skills and everything. I'm just going to help God bring it to pass and go quicker and step out ahead of him. We've all done it. Thank you, God. He's a redeemer of time. Amen. He redeems the time. So his brothers resented him for being their fav father's favorite, so they put him in a pit. Now, listen, it's one thing to fall into a pit. You know, you accidentally just, whoop, there I am in a pit. Anybody ever fell in a pothole in Illinois? That's a pit. If you're wondering what a pit is, okay, for those of you who have never been here before, in Illinois we have these potholes. That's a pit. Huh. So it just goes, you know, way down, but so do these. Amen. But so, another thing to be, it's another thing to put yourself in one. Now listen, there's the kind that you accidentally just fall into a pit. But then there's the pit that you just put yourself in. And it's super, super tragic when somebody you love puts you in a pit and leaves you for dead. But can I tell you, he still had favor with God. Isn't that a great way to live your life? Well, here I am in this pit. No worries. I've still got favor with God. And God wants to get you out of all of your pits. No matter how you got in the pit, God wants to get you out of the pit. Say amen. And why? Because he chose you, because he loves you, because he needs you. He wants to use you. He's given you dreams. Can I tell you, he doesn't even care if your family doesn't understand your dreams. Can I tell you that he don't care if your brothers and sisters are jealous of you, if your Christian brothers and sisters are jealous of you. He does not care. He's given you the dream. And he's still going to do what he said he would do. Everything he said he would do in your life, he is still going to do it in Jesus' name. So Joseph continued to minister even though he's falsely in prison, right? But you know why? Because we're always ministers. It doesn't matter what's going on in our life because a minister is not something we're called to do. A minister is something we are. We are. 
It's not something we just do. It's what you're called. You're called to be a minister. It's just what you are. Joseph doesn't stop being a minister because he's in a prison. He doesn't stop being a minister because he's in Potiphar's house or or Pharaoh's house. He doesn't stop being a minister, and neither should you. I don't care what's going on in your life right now. When you leave here and get in your car and whatever it is you're going back into, you are still a minister. Amen? Slap your neighbor. Tell him you are. We, can, we continue to minister no matter what. Did you just slap like your friend? What did you do? Because you know what he was doing when he was alone with his brothers? He was ministering to them. He was telling them the dream that God had given him. You know what he was doing while he was in prison? He was ministering. He was serving the baker and the butcher. He was interpreting their dreams. He was ministering to them and accurately interpreting their dreams, I'll add. What was he doing when he was in slavery? He was ministering about the God that he served. What was he doing in Pharaoh's house? Ministering the wisdom of God by interpreting his dreams. I mean, in good times and bad times, Joseph testified about the God he served. Even in his own junk, y'all, even in his own drama, he's ministering to other people. And his life serves as an example to us. This is an example for us to follow. I'm talking good times, bad times, up times, down times, in times, out time, time out. It doesn't matter. We're ministers of God. Amen? We're ministers of God, just like Joseph. We keep our eyes fixed on God, who is forever faithful. I said he's forever faithful. He's forever faithful. We'll see his promises come to pass, no matter how impossible they may seem to you right now. Say, be like Joseph. Tell your neighbor, be like Joseph. This is the study I did on him. His character stands out as one of the purest in all history. Who'd like to have character like that? Who'd like to have their grandchildren say they had the purest character of anyone in our family? He had impeccable character, y'all. He allowed no temptation to affect his integrity or his morals. No temptation, no disaster or, or, or tragedy could shake his faith. He didn't give up on God. He didn't pour mouth God. He didn't question God. No disaster shook his faith. No hardship or difficulty depressed him. Not one thing in his entire ministry did he let cause him to be depressed, to be sad, to be down low. No power or position made him prideful. Because, hey, you know, you're giving me a gold chain because, you know, gifts is my love language. You're giving me a gold chain. We're going to talk about it. He wouldn't even let pride. He's the second in command. You could have easily taken on pride easy. Not Joseph. He was always the same, truthful, Pure, just, merciful, kind, a God-fearing man. What if we all were just God-fearing people? What if we all were just like Joseph in that one? Maybe we ain't be the other ten, but maybe one we could say, you know what? I'm going to be a God-fearing person. He had a flawless record of faithfulness and trust in God. He adjusted to life perfectly whether he was a slave or free. He adjusted very well, all tied up, slaved up. 
He was content and happy in adversity and success. He was an outstanding witness for God. What if your family said that about you? Amen. They're an outstanding witness. I don't mean that you got to necessarily go and open your mouth and preach to people. Just your witness. Is it outstanding? It's just the way you live your life outstanding. He served with distinction in every place of responsibility. Because of him, y'all, God blessed an entire nation. One man. Say, that's me. He kept his morals and he stayed pure. And I'm talking in the, in the face of severe. Would y'all agree? It was a daily severe temptation. This woman, when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to Joseph. I'm going to give him some pointers about what he could have done. Me and Joseph are going to have a talk. That's right. I'm gonna... You know they're allowed to carry swords in Texas. Have I told you all this story before? <laughs> well, I forgot we're online, so I don't want to get banned from, th from that. And he showed forgiveness to his enemies, y'all. He showed forgiveness, and he did not let temptation weaken him. And don't we do that? He shunned Potiphar's wife when possible, and he fled when it was impossible just to avoid her. Pay attention, men. Pay attention, guys. Need a spirit of Joseph to come upon you in Jesus' name. Run for your life. Leave your clothes with them if you have to. Remember what we learned already? Run. Be what God appointed you to be. Is the message tonight. Whenever you see yourself surrounded by enemies, just remember God is preparing a table. When you're surrounded by enemies on every side, you need to remember who's preparing a table before you. Right? Because he wants to remind your enemies that he is still God. God wants your enemies to know he is God. He is on the throne and he is God. we got to get a revelation that what God's already created in you, even though people are trying to stop it, you just need to let God be God. Just let him be God. Psalm 91, 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in, who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. Some of you didn't even know that was in the Bible. Psalm 91, 14 and 15. As you stand all, uh, all over the place, just stand up. I'll read it again. The Lord says, see this is the Lord says to you tonight on night 30. The Lord says to you watching from your living room, listening later in your car on the podcast. The Lord says I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. Not I'm going to think about it. Not I'm going to figure it out and get back with you. Not I'm going to send a telegram. I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. 
God's going to rescue you tonight. God's going to honor you tonight. What pit are you in? What pit are you in? Some of you are in a pit of despair. Some of you are in a pit of lies. Some of you are in a pit of confusion, depression, meanness. Some of you have been in a meanness pit for a long time. Some of you are in a drama pit or a people-pleasing pit. Hey, you need somebody to come along and pull you up out of that procrastinating pit. Hey, a pit of pain and hurt and suffering. Somebody done you wrong song. Yes, they hurt you. Yes, they lied on you and tried to tear you down. But you're still standing. Look at you still standing. Look at you making it. Amen. Look at you surviving what they did. And now that you're standing up, do the next, don't just stand there. Do the next good thing and move. Walk out. Walk in it. You're a survivor. Stop looking back. You know, it's sabotaging your future to keep looking back, trying to get revenge, trying to fix it, trying to do something about it, trying to get even. Well, I'm going to show them. You can't flourish where you are right now if you're looking back there on what happened back then. And I'm talking back then like this morning. This morning. Well, I'm going to show them. No, you're coming out of that pit. Some of you need to come out of that I'm going to show them pit. I'm going to get revenge pit. I'm going to get even with them pit. Some of you need to come up out of that tonight. The Bible says he rescues us. The Lord says, trust me, love me, call upon me. And maybe you're here tonight with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you've never made him Lord of your life. You've never trusted him. You've never called on him. You've quit many, many things. You've quit him. But you would say tonight, I want to be sure that I'm going to go to heaven. I want to pray for you. Raise your hand right now. If you say, I just want to be sure if I die tonight that I'm going to make it to heaven. You can just put it up and right back down. You would say, I'm just not sure. One here, thank you. I see you. I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. I think I'm a good person. But if I really did die tonight, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. And I want to go to heaven. Just raise your hand and put it right back down. And you would say, you know what? I've been backslidden, Kathy. I know Jesus. I've known him my whole life. I've known him since my great-great-granny. But I've stepped away from him. I'm not serving him. I've been through a divorce. I've been through a bankruptcy. Something just dropped me low. Something put me back in a pit, Kathy. And I just need to know that I know that I know that I'm going to make it to heaven. Just put your hand up and back down. I want to pray for you. Yes, I see you. I want to pray for you. And maybe you'd say, I'm just not on fire. I'm saved, but I'm not on fire for Jesus. I'm not doing everything I know I could be doing, everything he's called me to do. It's like you got up out of that pit, but you ain't at the palace yet. And you would just raise your hand. Thank you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. That's right. You need the fire. That's why it's called 50 days of fire. You need the fire that's been shut up in your bones. To come out in Jesus' name. Come out in Jesus' name. 
You're coming out of that pit. If you, if you know for sure that you're in a pit, this message is for you. You've been in, it may be a pit I've not even mentioned tonight, but you know that's you. We're going to pray right now. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Set me free. Say that again. Set me free. I know you are the Son of God who died for me, was buried, risen, and coming again for me. I know I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. Just take a minute and make that real with God. You know, you, you change your identity. You say that prayer, you change your identity. You're a new creation. The Bible says that old stuff has passed away and you become new. Every one of you who prayed that for real and meant it with God, you've become new. You're going to be in heaven in Jesus' name. I tell you, your sins are forgiven. As a minister of the gospel, your sins right now are forgiven. And if you would say, I need to get out of this pit, any of them I name, just come. I'll pray with you. If you say, I just said that prayer for the very first time, we have a gift we want to give you, come. Just line them up for me right here. This will be quick and painless, I promise. We don't push anybody around here. Amen. But it wouldn't matter if we did because some of you have been in the pit already for so long that it wouldn't matter. You would say, yeah, that pit, that's me. Despair, confusion, lies, depression, pain, suffering, hurt, people-pleasing, drama, meanness, anger, procrastinating, hateful. Somebody done me wrong. You're coming out. The Lord says, I rescue those who love me. He rescues those who love him. I said, he rescues those who love him. He don't leave them in the pit. He rescues them out of the pit. He doesn't leave them there. He said, I rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in me. Maybe you've been in a pit of fear. You've been so afraid. You've been afraid of disease. You've been afraid of sickness. You've been afraid of somebody. You've just been in fear. That's the biggest pit of all that most people fall in and stay in is fear. And that's you watching online. If you've been in a pit like that, I want to tell you God rescues you. Get Psalm 91. Read it. Read it. Meditate on it. Lay hands on yourself. In Jesus' name, be free from that pit in Jesus' name. And I love y'all, and I say goodnight to you because we're going to have church up in here. That's why it's worth a, a church alive is worth the drive. You should get here in Jesus' name. I rescue them. He said, those who put trust in my name when they call. And I believe the church today needs revival. I believe not just this church, but the church as a whole, the church in our region, the church in our nation needs revival.
looking for a remnant of people. I'm searching to and fro over the whole earth just to find a heart perfect toward mine, Kathy. A lot of prophetic words have been spoken over this place. And I believe that if we put the effort out, if we begin to contend for the things of God, then we'll begin to experience the things of God. So we're going to get together every day and contend for the things of God in this house. If we want to see God things happen, then we've got to create some God opportunities for them to happen.